Thank you for downloading this New Zealand Sports Radio show. We have a new way that you can support us. There is a link in the notes down below where you can make a one-off donation to New Zealand Sports Radio. Thank you for support and uh, enjoy the show. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Hello and welcome to the Long Talk here on New Zealand Sports Radio and uh, one of the things I love doing in these long talks is talking to people who you would not normally come across or areas of the sport that you don't normally think that much about and giving them a platform um, and some exposure. Recently, we had a chat with a coach who coaches blind cricket over in Australia, uh, and we're going to head down that inclusive route today, uh, talking with Yan Ru from Parafed Auckland. Um, how are you doing, sir? I'm good, thanks. How are you? Yeah, very good, thank you. And we'll get into what um, Parafed covers uh, and all of that side of things. But first off, what is your first um, sporting memory, either playing or watching? Oh, wow. Um, <laughs> it's funny, actually. My, my first childhood memory of, with sport would be um, watching the, the All Blacks play at the Eden Park. So I, I, I was born in France, and I would say, about four or five years old, I remember uh, waking up at about maybe 6 a.m. to watch the All Blacks. Um, most, of it sma- most of the time, smash the, the French team uh, at the Eden Park. And I remember that uh, watching, uh, yeah, watching those games with my father um, early morning on the couch. That, that's a really cool memory. Wow, because here I was, because uh, yes, as, as, as you say, you're from France, um, brought up in France and moved over here relatively relatively recently, um, I was expecting a different, very different uh, sporting memory to what I hear from a lot of New Zealanders, which is exactly what you say. Yeah. <laughs> no, um, my father is a, is a rugby fan uh, as well as a soccer fan. But um, yeah, always watching the Les Bleus uh, playing, playing the All Blacks uh, at the Eden Park. It's, yeah. <laughs> Okay, interesting. Uh, because uh, one of the places you went to school uh, had the word Blanc, uh, uh, Mont, uh, Mont Blanc in. Now, I, I spent a lot of time in Andorra. Um, okay. Uh, and uh, remember all the all the local kids basically during winter just spent their whole time skiing for, for five months of the year. They do school in the morning and go skiing in the afternoon. And that was their yeah, <laughs> that, that was the sport. <laughs> um, so I was wondering if uh, seeing, Leblanc, uh, see, sorry, seeing Mont Blanc um, as one of your schools, whether you'd been brought up uh, in the mountains and skiing all the time. Yeah, definitely. Um, I've, I think my my first day on on the ski, I, I was maybe three years old, and and then I've always been every winter. Uh, don't say that to my mom, but even when I was at university, um, I was kind of all right going to going to university in the morning, but straight after that, went to the slopes and yeah, enjoying that definitely. I'm a, I'm an outdoor person, and I I love. I think the I was born in in the French Alps and I was lucky enough to being able to go hiking in summer and and skiing in winter. I think it's the the best place. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> um, did so? Did you ever um, get to uh, sort of play any representative sports or, uh, or um, any, any kind of level? not really? Always kind of social. Um, I've played um, table tennis for maybe ten years. Um, I've played at a regional level, nothing, nothing more than that. Um, 
And then I played maybe also 10 years of American football oh, wow, okay. uh, in, in France and in Portugal. Um, and when I was in Portugal, I was lucky enough to join a team where we had um, coaches from the USA. And um, I played uh, at top level in Portugal, and that was a great experience. Wow, wow very cool. Um, because, yeah, looking at, your, uh, uh, looking at your CV, you started off working in Super U, which for people over here in New Zealand is the same as sort of uh, pack and save or countdown. Yeah, um, definitely. Yeah, um, that was my first summer job. Um, I was a cashier at, at the local countdown. Um, it was a great way to to be introduced to the to the workplace. And um, um, throughout my career, I I've always always done sport every day, all the time. Um, I've tried maybe every sport that university was offering, from rowing to uh, volleyball to handball. Um, everything. Um, and I, I love being able to do, I, I wasn't the best at anything, but I was pretty good at everything. Um, and I've always kind of liked that. Um, I, I would have loved being an athlete, but I've never been great enough um, for that. Um, and then my, my parents, they were, they wanted me to, to do some, I would say, longer studies. And, and so I went all the way to a master's degree and then I joined um, in Switzerland, I joined a company called Migro, which is kind of the same as a countdown or, or a new world here um, as a marketing assistant. Um, well, always. You're missing, you're missing yeah. out a piece there about being a cheesemonger. I mean, <laughs> that will really intrigue me. <laughs> you have to, man. You have to. Uh, now, one of my one of my other summer jobs was to, uh, to take care of cheese and uh, and not like the mainland block cheese that you have here in New Zealand, but like real big piece of cheese and um, probably the hardest job I've met, I've done. Um, so but, it, so but also the most rewarding. <laughs> so, so, so large hard cheeses, not your breeze or your camembert, not the soft cheeses. No, no, no. Like we're talking about fifty kg cheese. <laughs> um, yeah, <laughs> no, I think that that's a great memory and. Uh, now that I'm in the other or the other part of the world, I'm like, yeah, we know what is cheese. No offense. <laughs> <laughs> uh, maybe maybe a sideline in, uh, in 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 gourmet or, or boutique cheese cheeses. Uh, could yeah, be, could, you, you could open up here as well. Um, <laughs> but yeah, lots of those summer jobs um, you're talking about um, with play, places and uh, but some um, uh, ITI concept seems to be where you kind of really hit it hit off and uh, going from. A lot of these roles seem to be kind of you did a bit of IT work, you um, a little, but a lot of the roles involve dealing with people um, and, and customer facing. Uh, as in, in a lot of these uh, kind of roles, is, is is very much a people person. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I think human human is really interesting for me, and uh, I that's why my studies in marketing was was the way for me because it's everything is marketing and everything is about the people and everything is um, how to deal with network and, and, and human connections. Um, so, yeah, I, th I think that's, that was easy for me to go into marketing and, and also the, the, I've always coached every, every sport that I, that I was involved in. Um, when I was doing table tennis, I've, I've coached table tennis, I've coached American football um, yeah, it was it was also a way for me to to give back to the communities of the time. So yeah, so you, you made your way through, uh, as you say, um, uh, Marinos Genostovskost. Oh yeah, that's a <laughs> that's a Sorry. German name to say. Wait, yeah, we, we we say Migo. Just Migo, okay. Just ignore the other bits. Um, doing lots of roles, like you say yeah, through marketing, um, editing editing an internal newspaper. Um, uh, and, uh, and and hiring people as well. So yeah, lots of things there. Um, so what made you take the move from being in that marketing role to become a, a CrossFit trainer? Yeah, um, so I've, I've always done sport, and after my my fast career as a as an American football athlete, um, I had a few too many concussions. Um, so after after the third one, my my doctor said mm, you might want to change sport or at least change the way you do that sport um and at that time that when crossfit started to be really important in france 
Um, so I joined the CrossFit gym next to where I was living. And um, and at that time, at, at Migro, the, I wanted to see something else. And I had a great position. I had great responsibilities, but working a lot and um, and not, I would say, not enough human connections. And um, at that particular time, my partner found a job in Paris and she had the, the chance to work for the Olympic Games in Paris. Um, so the, at the time, I was like, all right, let's quit my job and, and see what's what's like to be a CrossFit trainer and a, and a sports coach and a personal trainer. So for the next two years, I I wanted to yeah give back and, and train people and to 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 get fitter and, and better in their life. And a bit like in, in, in New Zealand, a lot of people end up in Auckland at some point before moving away, um, back back out to the regions. And a bit, yeah, in, in France, a lot of yeah, a lot of people, especially um, soon after university, will head to Paris, do a few years in Paris, and either love it or go it's yeah. a bit busy, and then move back out back out of Paris again. So yeah, it's not that's, surprising. That's exactly that. that. Yeah, that's that's totally that. Um, Paris was awesome uh, as a as a sports fan. You can do anything. You can go watch four different events in the same weekend and that's that's amazing but for me being born in the mountains um and in the nature after two years it was i think i had enough and um at, the, at that time what the funny thing is we had quite a lot of friends who came to new zealand for the rugby world cup yep and they were like oh you should definitely go there and at least give it a try um so yeah we arrived there uh, oh, two years before ago. you leave Paris, there's, there's, there's one thing I want to see whether, whether you try. Oh, yeah. So one of the things they do in Paris each summer, I think, is build a beach on the Seine in the centre of Paris. Have you have you some have you sunbathed beneath the, or, or next door to the um, uh, uh, oh, gone blank is the, the big church. Oh, gone. Um, it's, it's right <laughs> smack bang next to Notre Dame on the beach yes. sunbathing. Have you have you? Uh, yeah, it's I, I would say the tourist thing and you do it when you're when you're a tourist and you, when you come for holiday <laughs> but yeah i've been there once <laughs> uh, dear. um and so okay so so the rugby world cup that was the the genesis for, for coming over to um to new zealand was it or, or or hearing about how people had a good time hearing about people having a great time here um and and i mean at that time i was thinking about maybe going back to where I was born and back to the to the countryside and the mountains. But I wanted to see something else and maybe try try a new adventure. So that's that's where I came here. Get a get a working holiday visa for a year, not really knowing what we wanted to do. Um, and yeah, we love it here. <laughs> so your girlfriend stopped working on the Olympics? Yeah, so we we decided to come when my girlfriend um, stopped. When when Paris got the Olympics, um, the number of projects starts dropping a little bit. So we're like, ah, that's that's a good time to move on. And yeah, and uh, and, and try and try coming over here. Um, yeah, and then so you came over here on your on your year work work visa, of course. Um, so you get involved in CrossFit again over up in. Uh, yeah, I guess CrossFit, the, the community part of CrossFit made made it easy for me to find a, a quick job here. Um, I, I knocked on every CrossFit gym and every CrossFit gym had an hour or two to give me to coach. Um, it was great to improve my English uh, at first. And um, it was also great to start making connections and meet people. I, I really want to get involved in the community and, and coming in that country that has so much story and, and like, yeah, that's, that's awesome. Just talking to people is great. <laughs> <laughs> now CrossFit, um, I, I don't know much, much about it. I've clearly, it, it's, it's um, I've, I've seen very little bits where it's basically, it, it's, it's a mixture of different, um, uh, different sort of actions, isn't it? Uh, and, uh, and, and it's become a competitive sport, but from, from what I understand in some ways, is CrossFit isn't so much a sport as pretty much a way of life um, for, for people that once you get into it, it can become all encompassing. Um, yeah, and, uh, I, some people see that as a, as a cult, um, but it, it's more a cult of, of a lifestyle and, and being well in our, in our lives. Um, 
the the sport of CrossFit is a mixture between gymnastic and and body weight movements with a mixture of weightlifting and and moving um, objects in in space and with a with another part which is more metabolic conditioning and running and jumping um, and you mix everything and every day you have a, a new workout um, so that's the sport and and there is um, the world championship that we call the CrossFit Games that that crown what we call the fittest on earth. Um, so it's a, it's a nice title, but it's, yeah. <laughs> After a week of competition, you have the best and we call that the fittest on earth. Um, but like you said, I think it's a, it's a good lifestyle um, because once you get into the whole philosophy of CrossFit, you have a whole bunch of um, things around nutrition, how to move, how to take care of your body um, and how... I, I guess the link with with general sport is that it makes it, it makes a, a, a real good base for a, any sport, and and I really enjoy now that I've been doing CrossFit for a few years, just trying new things and like I said, not being the best but being good at. Um, it's just really enjoyable. I I tried my first cricket training a few uh, almost a year ago now and. I realized that I was not the best, but I was pretty good at. So that was that was pretty cool. So you're a batsman or a bowler? Um, I, I found really hard to bowl, um, but I, honestly, I, I fell in love with the sport and and the technicality. And I mean, in France, we don't have cricket at <laughs> all. Um, I don't even know if we have a national team, but um, I. Yeah, coming here, um, one of the first flat I had, I was sharing it with an Indian guy and he was just living cricket. And that was amazing to just learn about it. Um, and and then I went to see a game at the Eden Park against India and the atmosphere was amazing. And, and yeah, the technicality of the game and, and oh yeah, that's I love it. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you love it, then you want to join us on a Thursday evening um, at 8 p.m., we have Swinging from the Hip, which is our, uh, our weekly cricket show here on uh, New Zealand Sports Radio. So there you go, folks. Yeah, Thursday evenings if you want to get your cricket um, your cricket fix. Uh, and uh, we are, we're nearly back with cricket because the England-West Indies Test Series is about to take place. So they'll be talking about that on Thursday evening. Um, so, yeah, so, so lots of... Uh, yeah, it's finally here. Um, the... <laughs> You, you've got yourself involved in obviously um, all ability or mixed ability sports kind of um, now. Uh, how um, so? How open is CrossFit to uh, to, to 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 mixed ability or um, uh, CrossFit is yeah. CrossFit is really inclusive because as a coach, you get you get teach how to adapt everything. Um, and when I was in Paris, I started coaching people in wheelchair. Um, and how to adapt those movements that, that an able-bodied athlete would do to a, to a wheelchair user. Um, yeah, you, you get to learn that. Um, and I guess the experience, um, you just try and, and see what works and what doesn't work. Um, yeah, but it's really inclusive. Anybody can just knock on the gym door and, and ask if they can try and... I hope every everyone will would do it. Okay, it's a, and as you say, yeah, it does. It's not just talking about the the, the motions. It also talks about your recuperation, looking after your body, and the nutrition uh, becomes that lifestyle thing. Which is, um, well, if if, uh, if some of you, if you find you've got a, a CrossFit mate and they decide, look, I'm not coming out Friday night. I've got a CrossFit session Saturday morning. Um, that's why. <laughs> um, <they'll> <laughs> um, a bit more down that side of things. So the um, you then ended up. Uh, some uh, so so what uh, sort of moved you into sports administration or the, or sports business side of things because that's a it's a bit of a leap. I mean, as we've talked before, you've been um, working for an IT company um, uh, and and other um, and uh, and retail companies, looking at the marketing side of things um, and hiring people, and then you decide to join a to join Parafed Auckland, um, which it's is it's a it's a brand new industry for you. From a- yeah, um, I guess there was a little bit of luck. Um, 
when I was in Paris, I wanted to kind of stop the whole marketing side and get into coaching and sport um, in itself. Coming in, coming in New Zealand, we had a little bit of money on the side to to live, um, and after taking a good month to to discover the country, it was time for us to find a job, and um, we really want to find a job um, in what we were good at. Um, and for me, it was the marketing, but in the sport industry, because um, I really wanted to to get into that. Um, and I was pretty lucky because I've been in contact with the CEO of Parafed Oakland at the time, and he was looking for a part-time communication manager. Um, and even though it wasn't the job of my dream, I was like, okay, let's let's just try it. At least it, I put a foot in it. And um, and we'll see where we where it goes. Um, and Tom Smith, uh, the CEO at the time, became a mentor for me and um, kind of get me on the on the sport administration side of it. Um, then I guess he was happy with my work and they, and oh no 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 you, 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 again you, you you're zooming on before I get chance to dig dig right in here. So this is going to be one. This is going to be an area that, that I'm going to nerd out about. I'm afraid. Um, but uh, so so a couple of things there. One is you've got the change from the French culture to the New Zealand culture um, as far as marketing goes. You've got the change from being a um, a corporate organisation or, or, or a sales driven organisation um, to a community um, organisation. It's probably the, the the right term. I'm not sure. Yeah. Um, but some, so so lots of differences there in in for you in in, in how to communicate. Well, I guess what's the big differences between working the, the, a French culture and a, and, a, and a New Zealand culture as far as sort of marketing goes? I mean, is it uh, do you have to use different platforms, different mediums? I, I would say the, the platform and the mediums are the same. There is just, um, I guess, human is just the center of everything in New Zealand. Um, human connection, how you how you talk to people. Um, Greetings, people. The the you you'll find it funny, but the the first day I've been in New Zealand, um, it was weird for us to say hello to the bus driver because after two years in Paris, you kind of don't see the bus driver. Um, so I, I guess that's that's an amazing thing is here in New Zealand. It's just people acknowledging people. It's just really good. Um, so yeah, the, the the big change for me was around human connection, but it was a, a, a good surprise, and I was happy to see that and happy to get into it. The yeah, but you're, you're coming from um, Paris, and uh, I'm actually I'm looking I'm looking at Wikipedia, and it thinks Paris is a population of two million people, and that is way yeah. way too small. Paris met there we go. <laughs> 12, 12 and a half million people. So we're talking about a place there that is more than twice, the, or population there, more than twice the population of New Zealand crammed into a space that's probably about the same size as Auckland. And Auckland, I know, is about the same size as London, so London, Paris-ish. Yeah. Um, give or take a few kilometres here and there. Um, so yes, so you do this, the, you can't say hello to everyone you bump into because you're just bumping into people all the time, kind of thing, or you, 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 in Paris. Whereas in, in Auckland, there's a bit more space between each time you greet, you'd see somebody. So there's time to have that, even if it's just a, as you say, hey, how you doing? Yeah. There's, there's time for at least that small interaction there. Um, so the so that the so that the, the form of communication that you've chose for on the marketing side also has to be more personal um, or more high mate rather than hello, we are such and such, which is perhaps a bit more of a, a corporate way of, 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 of talking in France. Yeah, definitely. Um, I've learned that. Um, and, and also something really important that, that I realize is trying to, to know the people you're talking to and, and, and not just stopping at a, hey, how are you doing? Uh, but maybe asking how his family is going. Um, yeah, and, and that's, that's amazing. Just like you said, there might be a, a scale difference that makes it easier, uh, but it's really enjoyable. <laughs> uh, yes, and ha having this on who's lived in London, um, Singapore, Hong Kong, 
these 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 big high-rise cities uh, to come to walk, to come to New Zealand where no one builds anything above one story um, is uh, <laughs> makes is, is, is a, it's a very different um, yeah a very different style uh, of, um, of of place. And I think the architecture uh, and the space you have does lead to a different culture um, around that sort of thing. And as you say, you've enjoyed the outdoors. So do have, have you taken up? Cause I mean, one thing that, that that I think the French don't really do much of is barbecuing. Um, yeah, so actually, that's uh, that's something that my my family personally does quite often. Okay. Um, but seeing the barbecue here in in public spaces is just really cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's not something you'll see in in in, in, in French parks. Um, uh, we take food as really important as a as a gathering, and yeah, we take we we'll take really long time to cook, but just being able to spend a lot of time together around a good meal is something that the the Kiwi you guys do also really good. <laughs> the um, the yeah yeah my my yeah my, my parents live in France at the moment, so that so hence I uh, yeah I do get back there occasionally and um, uh, and and do enjoy the they live in a small village, so do enjoy the the, the slow pace of life and yeah as you say um lunch isn't something you quickly is, is isn't for nourishment it's it's for relaxing communicating um, yeah. and having time um with people so the um and then also the difference between the corporate communication and the way where you're trying to drive a sale uh and this way you're trying to drive awareness um has that changed your approach as to how you how you produced material and um uh, and, and what kind of material you produce? Yeah, here in New Zealand, you have to show what you do, who you are, before trying to sell anything. Um, whether, whereas in in France and Switzerland, where I where I work, you're like, let's try to sell this the best way. Um, here, you will try to learn who is your customer, what he wants, what he likes. Um, where does he likes to communicate or, or, or to share things? Um, so you always have to make that connections first before trying to do anything. Um, and, and I guess the, the really cool thing for me is that I'm really open to, to learn new things. And, um, the, uh, and we haven't talked about that, but being involved in, in the rugby league side of it was, was a good first step for me coming here. Whoa, 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 whoa. Sorry, being involved in the rugby league side of it. Where's um, yeah? That's not, that's, not on, that's not on LinkedIn. It, it's not in my LinkedIn, but um, so as a coach, when I arrived in New Zealand, I wanted to um, to get get back to the communities and and learn from the communities. And the the easy way for me when I arrived and I started to look for a job was to communicate to rugby union clubs and rugby league clubs, um, and. I think after a week, I've been invited to um, a county's Manukau rugby league training camp, and just to kind of meet people and and see how it's done here, it, it was it was amazing to meet all those those new faces. Um, and then straight away, they were looking for a strength and conditioning coach. Yep. So I was like, okay, let's let's do that. And I've been involved first with the under fifteen and under seventeen of county's Manukau. Um, and it was just at the beginning of the national campaign. So I've been able to help them. Um, and we, we won championship on, on those both ages. So that was, that was awesome. Very cool. Um, now, that's, that's, so you, you've, you've got, so there you are at Birkenhead doing your um, CrossFit, which is a very individualistic sport. Um, and then you're down in County Manukau, um, about an hour and a half's drive away because of traffic in Auckland. Um, should only be ten minutes, but hey, um, and uh, doing working in a team sport. So, how did you find the contrast of working with a team compared to working with individuals uh, in individual sport? Do you, do you have to use different um, some different tactics, different methods of communicating? Yeah, you always have to reinvent yourself, um, but also trying to make it simple. Um, something that that really shocked me at the beginning is that um, in my team, so counties Manukau is a lot of um, Pacifica and Maoris, yep. and uh, something that shocked me at the first training is that whether it's under under seventeen or under fifteen, there there are groups, and the Tongans they're gonna stay with the Tongans and the someone with the someone, 
and um, first training, I couldn't understand what why this kid wouldn't pass to this kid, and it was like two meters apart. And uh, but every time he was jump, he was jumping this kid and passing to the other one. And um, after talking to the coaches, I was like, but, and I understood that it was just a cultural thing, and um, it was amazing for me to try to find ways to have them communicate with each other um, and realize that they are wearing the same jersey and the, the goal is to win the same competition. Um, so yeah, that was the, comp- the the campaign was four months, and I've learned so much. Like it was amazing. So winning the winning the championship at the end of the year was was a great great accomplishment. Yeah, interesting that you talk about yeah breaking down those cliques, um, be they school based, be they um, uh, c- cultural based, be they yeah um, uh, yeah where you're from based or, or language based as well. Um, yeah, breaking those down is yeah is, is is a key thing to get a team team working together. And, and the other yeah. side of things is also when you're training someone for CrossFit, they have paid you to train them, so they you know they want to be there and they want to do what. Yeah. There's, there's an investment from them to, to 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 try and get the most out of it. When you're training a team like that, they have not paid you individually, and it's kind of like the other coach said, you have to do this. It's like. Really? Um, so yeah. Again, the other they, thing they is have the they have not paid to... you. Yeah, I see what you mean. They have not paid you, but from a from a club to a representative level, you try to bring them some professionalism, and having a professional strength and conditioning coach means something. Having um, coaching coaches, coaching staff that have worked with the Warriors, they that means something. Um, so I guess yeah, you, you can't make them pay for it but you can um still bring stuff to the table and i'm not, I'm not saying make them pay for it but when someone's paid for it they've already made a an uh, an, an, a, an investment yeah and it's definitely. an emotional investment saying right I, so i will get the most out of this Whereas when you when you when you join a a sports team it's like okay i want to play on saturday and i want to do the skill stuff that's fun he's going to make me run up and down oh no um so there's not the same motivation to go so you've got to there is there's also an element of i'm going to motivate these people to want to do this Whereas in CrossFit, that step's already done for me. I can yeah. get I can get on to so yeah. There's the, again different ways of working or different skills required there um, for working with them. Yeah. Uh, okay. So any other um, cool jobs that, that aren't on your on your LinkedIn that I'm going to miss out before I dive into Parafed? <laughs> no, I've, I've I've been lucky being able to 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 work with Counties Monaco Rugby League. Um, I've been invited to coach the the women's team, and we won the the championship with the women's team. Um, and then lately, I've been involved with the premiers team, and we had a game against the reserve of the Warriors. Uh, that was just before lockdown. And before that, um, I guess proving that it's a it's a small country, but but that's amazing. Um, I've been asked to help with the the Kiwi under eighteen. Um, and that was that was an amazing opportunity for me um, to see another level and, and to represent the country. That was awesome. Um, working with Coach Tusa, and at the same time, I've been in contact with the the coach of the French Under 19 team. And I didn't I didn't know at the time, but there was supposed to be a, a game um, Kiwis against France here in New Zealand. Um, and then the coach told me, and he was like, "Would you like to be part of the of the coaching staff for the French team?" Um, and then I had a discussion with the the Kiwi coach, and he was like, "No, I totally understand. That's your that's your home country." And um, so I, I I spent two weeks with the French team um, traveling New Zealand. We had a game down in Christchurch um, against Canterbury. Went up to Waikato. Had against against a game against White Kettle, um, then the Kiwis, and then back in Auckland we had a game against Auckland, and yeah, that was two amazing weeks. Oh, fantastic! Yeah, getting getting yeah, getting exposed, getting exposure or, or experience at some um, national level where the the level of athlete um, is much more. Uh, you got to say again, much more self um, self motivated. They're there for a very key, key, key reason. Um, so some of those steps that you need to take a, an athlete on 
to get them motivated already done for you. So again, you can get right down into um, the real work. Uh, yeah, definitely. Um, really, really, really quickly, and, and yeah, yeah, working with those guys must be yeah, must be a great experience. Um, yeah. The other experience you 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 touched on there is that you worked for the women's team as well. Did you find a difference in how to motivate the women's team as to as as, as to the men's team? Um, funny enough, the, the the women they are um, they work, they have full time jobs. Yep. Most of the time, they have babies. Uh, I see some women breastfeeding at halftime. Um, man, those those women are so strong. And um, in terms of coaching, uh, when you coach a, a male team, you will have to earn the trust of each and every player. When you coach a women team, like like I did with Counties Manukau, um, the trust was given, but it's like don't mess up with the trust we've given you. So it's like it's a change of paradigm, but but it's really interesting. Um, I guess it puts more pressure on you because you already have that trust, and and yeah, don't mess up with it. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, the, the difference of yeah, I've got to earn it over here, so they're not going to trust me here. They'll trust me until I mess up, and then they'll never trust me again. Um, yeah, and I think, and as you say, a lot of those, um, they say so, so quite a few of the players certainly say you've got kids already. Uh, so very family focused as well. I think so. Again, I think probably the focus. I think it's much more a team focus quite often from some of the women's teams than some of the men's teams. Could be more about it's about me and trying to get to the next level. Whereas yeah, definitely for the women. Again, you, the the because there isn't money in it to to a certain degree as well. That yes, I mean, look, these, these people. These are still highly competitive athletes. They want to win. Yeah, don't get me wrong. Um, but it's a matter I of but it's it's the style of trying to win. Uh, can we, can yeah, we definitely. And, and a, a great thing that the New Zealand Rugby League does is the play groups. And every time we had a training with the women's team, um, the manager of the team was saying, hey, there is play group at that time, from that time to this time. And then the, the girls, they could come, leave the kids. The local club was feeding the kids, uh, doing homeworks. So basically, when I had the, the girls with me, they were 100% with me and they were not thinking about the kids or the husband or, or, or yeah, or the dinner or whatever. That That's a great, great initiative from um, New Zealand Rugby League. Cool. Oh, sorry, Rugby League, not Union, right? Rugby League. Yep. The, um, on, on the league side. So, yeah, so, so great work there, especially by the sounds down in counties uh, around the Rugby League and also the under, the under, the, the age group one. So, yeah. Wish you all the best in your coaching journey or your strength and conditioning coaching journey with um, yeah. on the league side. Uh, uh, unfortunately, I, I stopped the the league side. Kind of stopped. I, I'm always in contact with the with the coaches here and there. Um, but now I'm involved with the Will Blacks, which is the Witcher Rugby uh, team, national team. So uh, the, and I'm, um, I'm there. Thank you. So you're their strength and conditioning coach. Oh, okay. Now I've been to see some of their games when. Uh, so a couple of years ago, they had a four nations, four nations tournament, um, hosted out near uh, out, out in East Auckland, um, and uh, where, I th from memory, they played. Chi I think I saw a game where they played China, um, in that one. So yes, no, it, that that again, just because um, they're, they're a they're not getting paid, they're not professional athletes, um, and they're in uh, and, and they're in wheelchairs. Look, they're not just doing this for fun. They, again, very highly competitive. Um, the the way they bash into each other on those wheelchairs is is crazy scary. Oh, yeah. Um, uh, yeah, very competitive game. And and uh, yeah, if you get to a chance to go out and watch one, folks, please, uh, please do. Um, oh yeah, definitely. There are, there are games. There, are, I think there are clubs in every region in in New Zealand. Um, get in touch with with your local with your local club. It's it's definitely worth it. Now, um, those are, those athletes are, are full time athletes, um, but they also have jobs. Um, yeah, it's definitely worth it, especially now that they won the the qualifier spot for for the Olymp for the Paralympic Games. Oh, fantastic news! Oh, congratulations to them. The um, and uh, my my only complaint about wheelchair rugby is that they use a round ball, not a rugby ball. Yeah. Can, um, <laughs> so yes, folks, yeah, just use a rugby ball. Yeah. It, it it's not used to be called uh, Witcher Rugby. Uh, it used to be called uh, Murder Ball, yep. which is more like what it is. Um, it has been named like um, some some decades ago. 
Um, and unfortunately, there is no um, wheelchair rugby league in New Zealand. Um, it's yeah, I think it's a it's a shame because New Zealand is so great at rugby league. Uh, there should be wheelchair rugby league. Um, but that's a that's a working that's a what is, is is there a difference between wheelchair rugby league and wheelchair and motorball? Yeah, definitely. So oh, okay. wheelchair rug, wheelchair rugby league actually use a a, a rugby ball. Okay. Um, and it's it looks more like rugby league than than wheelchair rugby looks um, uh, as as rugby union. Um, oh, well, they use a they they use a rugby ball. Um, they use the the six um, six touch. Okay. Um, yeah, it, it actually looks more like a like a like a rugby league. Okay. I I thoroughly enjoyed watching um, wheelchair rugby, but yeah, it bears no relationship to rugby. Um, no, not at all. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, wheelchair rugby league uses uh, the post, uses the 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 rugby ball, um, the 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 touch. Yeah. Oh wow! I, I, I need to get to watch some of that. I've got to find somewhere where I can get along to one of those games. That sounds fantastic. So anyway, but that's a, that's a work in progress, and we might want to talk about that in a, in a few weeks, months. Um, um, you don't say that, but I, I'm working with somebody at New Zealand Rugby League, and that's a <laughs> that's a, well. Yes, we'll we'll stay in touch, and uh, folks, um, yeah, uh, stick around. We may have something to announce in the uh, the morning sports briefing and our news show uh, in a couple of weeks' time. As you say. So um, you did marketing communications for about five months, moved into being a development manager. Um, so lots of sports have these this, this role of development manager. I'm not really sure what that kind of really means. What does a development manager really do? Um, I would say I started with communication and marketing. And then at some point, the, there was the need for Perafed Oakland to, um, to get new ways of income. Uh, through sponsorship, through grants, fundings. Um, so once you add up that that sponsorship side of it, that that business development side of it, it becomes the overall development. So we we call that the development manager because it's marketing, it's communication, it's uh, sponsorship, it's partnership. Um, yeah. So more on the business, less on the sports side, or does or, or you you still getting involved in? Some coaching you, and some and uh, getting out there as well. No, um, you, you're still involved for the communication part of it, so you have to be there. You have to uh, you have to communicate, um, but but less on the on the coaching side. So Perafed Oakland, if if we can stop talking about that, um, we give opportunities for people with disabilities to be involved in sport and recreation. Um, we have programs that, that are run all year long, um, like athletics, swimming, butcher, wheelchair rugby, wheelchair tennis, those sports, they, they, are, they are all year long. Um, and we also try to give other opportunities um, to, for, for people to try new things. Um, so before the lockdown, we brought 40 people in Piha uh, to do some surfing. Um, so a, any disability could could try surfing. Um, in February, no, in March, we took twenty kids to Snow Planet to do some skiing. Um, so yeah, we try to do different things. We try to be um, to modernize a little bit what we do and, and who we are. Um, so that's that's the the overall sport we do. We so we folks, are. So, so folks, yeah. um, uh, first off, the, the the way to find out about all of this is go to Parafed. Co, sorry, parafedauckland.co.nz, uh, and it's all on there. And there are two, two big sections in there that I would um, that, that, I'll, that I'd point out. First off, the programs and events, which is what you're talking about there, is all the programs you run. And look, there's uh, a junior monthly, uh, pro, there's, a, there's an adult recreation program. You've got an, an after-school clubs. Um, you've got tennis, table tennis, um, strength and conditioning, all those sort of programs there, folks, that are run um, by or, or, or Parafed run with in association with people. So check that piece out. Um, and then you've also got the associate clubs that you um, link with, or club. Um, and again, so again, other clubs, again, links to other clubs that, that you can do things like um, outrigger canoeing, um, adaptive yoga, sailing, shooting, um, bokia, which I've never heard of before, but apparently a bit like bull. 
Yeah, kind of. So we say we say boccia, and it's actually a Paralympic sport, um, and it looks like pétanque or bowls, kind of. Um, uh, wheelchair basketball, um, the uh, uh, power chair football club, um, uh, adaptive PT, personal training, uh, um, basket, yeah, more basketball, uh, and, and surfing as you are. So, so folks, yeah, look, if you know of anybody. Or if, if you are, or, or you know of anybody who has... So when, when we say disabilities, what are we talking about? Are we talking about just people in wheelchairs? Because we've already talked about that already. Or what other disabilities? We talk about any any disability. Um, so if we talk about the overall spectrum, there are special Olympics. They will take care of more people with um, mental disability. And we will take care of more the, the physical disability. But I want to be inclusive. And if somebody with a with a mental disability or, or somebody like a Down syndrome kid wants to be involved in, in sport and rec, I'll definitely take him. So, yeah, so, so you, you work with the Down syndrome um, football team for as, as an example, but, you, but your, your, your predominant focus is on physical disabilities rather than um, ones. Now, we also, um, in our talk, in our chats, you, you um, so I, I, I did that interview with someone with, who's a blind um, cricket coach, or sorry, a, bl- a coach for blind cricket. Um, you tag someone in there who is part of the blind uh, um, sport group. So, do you deal with? Uh, do you cover blind sport as well, or is that another association, another group that deals with blind sport? So, and and that's how the the environment is made here. There is a lot of small charities, a lot of small organization, and um, so the, the the girl I was talking to is um, Casey Flint, and she's the community manager for the Blind Sport Foundation. Um, it's a national organization, and she takes care of all the sport for visual impaired in New Zealand. And blind, and she organized um, the blind cricket um, first national game uh, here in New Zealand. Yeah, well, that, that was. Fantastic. I think that was something like maybe a year ago, and it was. Uh, it was. It was in Tonga. Um, okay, so so as, as you can, so so, but does Parafed deal? Um, uh, also look at uh, visually impaired sports or, did, or, or, or does that count as a physical disability or not? Yeah, it, it counts as a, as, as a physical disability and um, I have a, a, an amazing team but there's just four, uh, five of us um, so we can't provide much programs so our job is to connect with as much great partner as possible and for example um, when we do an event as Snow Planet for example uh, where we where we take twenty families to do ski and surf um, for for two days. We have to connect with Snow Sport New Zealand, who has somebody who takes care of the old disability uh, snow sport. We also connect with Snow Planet. We connect with our volunteers. We have a, a great bunch of volunteers, and then we connect with our members. And the whole the whole package create the event. We can't provide. Um, events in, in itself. Um, so, for example, the the, the ski event we had the, uh, quite a few visual impaired. So we also connect with Casey at Blind Sport Foundation so that she can share the opportunity with her members. So, folks, I, I, this is there's a lot of people doing some wonderful stuff in this space. Um, the problem sometimes is meshing it all together. And one of the points you mentioned, I mean, one that was was kind of like. So you are Parafed Auckland now. You, I also see you're also chairman of the board of Parafed Network of New Zealand. So, is there a uh, how, do, how is there an overarching Parafed New Zealand organisation that gives you guidance and guidelines you have to abide by, or how does that all kind of work? Um, there are ten total Parafeds in New Zealand. Um, we are each each of the Parafed is unique and and um, we don't answer to anybody. Uh, but it's been it's been two years now that we are trying to connect with each other, to just kind of sharing best practices, what works, what doesn't work, um, and also trying to give guidance as a as a national level. So for the for two years now, we've created what we call the the Perfect Network, and I'm lucky that I'm I'm the chair of the leadership group of that network, and um, my job is to to lead the, the discussions around um, where do we want the parafet to, 
to be in the next three, five, ten years, um, and also engage the conversation with Sport New Zealand, with Paralympics New Zealand, with Halberg. Those are the the, the big organization in in the so industry. And so who um, was that last one? Halberg, the Halberg yeah, Foundation. Yeah. yeah. Um, yep. So kind of lead the conversation and and try to yeah give guidance. Now, a lot of our talk, so yes, yeah, so, so so all those ten organizations are all independent of each other, um, um, but they do, but you do talk, which is fantastic. And yeah, I say that getting all the different groups know, knowing each other exists, getting all the other groups to actually um, to talk to each other and work together uh, is is part of the problem. Uh, uh, that uh, it's also one of the strengths in that you are independent, you can do what you, you can do what your members need, but it also creates that uh, difficulty of like our oh, well, um, where if we put on a blo- uh, an event for visually impaired, but also the national visually impaired body put on something for visually impaired at the same time in the same location, oops, that would be a mistake. Um, and so, yeah, it's just making sure you all guys get, kind of work together nicely. Now, you also list <clears throat> a number of Paralympians that you have um, in here, but all the talk we've had so far has been about community sport, not about high performance sport. So do you get involved in high performance sport as well, or is that left to uh, Paralympic New Zealand? Uh, that, that's a great question. The, the parafets are involved at the community level, and we are all members of Paralympics New Zealand. Uh, if if I can give you some some context, um, Paralympics New Zealand will take care of the whole New Zealand for the only 22 sports that are at the Paralympic Games, and every four, every two years, they will create a team to represent New Zealand. Um, but they're also quite a quite a small team. And so with the connection that we have created with them over the past few years and, and, and just connecting with them uh, on a daily basis, we try to provide from that community level to that high performance level, some pathways for uh, promising athletes or, or just athletes who want to be involved in a higher level we try to give them pathways through the parafets, but also through the national organizations. Um, if a kid wants to be involved in athletics, we'll then be able to connect them with the pathways with, to the Paralympic Games, but it will also go through um, Athletics New Zealand, for example. Okay. So, so all right. So, the, again, it's, it's just trying to mesh all these different organizations together to work. <laughs> um, and then... So as you say, so there are twenty-two. I think you mentioned there are twenty-two sports in the the, the Paralympics. Um, so does that mean your remit is just to try and cover those twenty-two sports, or um, you can just cover any sport and recreation that you feel like, or that, that, that you, the, you, not, yeah. you feel like, sorry, that your members would find useful? No, def, um, as a, as a parafed, we'll we'll cover everything. Um, like I told you, surfing. Um, it's not a Paralympic sport, but it's a great opportunity to be to be active for my members. Um, we have some mountain biking. Um, yeah, we, we try to cover everything. Um, and we also um, talk really closely with our members to understand what they want to do. Because um, sometimes we, we try things and it doesn't work. But most of the time it comes from our members and they're like, oh, we, we would like to try this. And then um, it creates, like, like we did, last year um, a rock climbing event where we had um, 16 families to do rock climbing here in Oakland and that was amazing yeah so Paralympics New Zealand would take care of their 22 sports all across New Zealand each parafed will try to cover everything for their own region cool um, does, is, uh, is, is there a para com, uh, Commonwealth Games as well or not um, the, the para Commonwealth game is the, um, I forgot the name, um, the army, army side of, uh, Oh, Invictus games. Invictus games. That's it. Um, yeah. Cause I was thinking that something like, um, bowls, for example, is a Commonwealth game medal game, but it's not a Olympic medal game. So it might be a yeah. Invictus games medal game, but not a Paralympic medal game. And, and that all becomes a bit again. Um, and a squash is not one of those sports that's in that, that gap that's trying to, become an Olympic sport because it's, yeah. it's already a Commonwealth sport, for example. So those that all becomes uh, fun and games with funding as well. 
Um, yeah. Uh, talking of um, uh, of funding, so you mentioned um, before there about uh, the, the part of your when you were the development manager role. Part of that was um, was getting uh, fun, uh, was trying to find um, funding. So where do you where does your funding come? Does it come from Sports New Zealand? Does it come or, or, or is it all through private people? So come yeah, from, uh, so when, um, corporates. A majority of our funding comes from um, what we call level four gaming grants. Yep. Um, so that's a, a Lion Foundation, uh, um, those those ones. Um, the, the majority of our funding comes from here. Um, but then when when you rely too much on them, uh, it can become a little bit tricky. And, and we saw that um, during the, the pandemic because all their venue closed. So we couldn't apply for their for those fundings, um, but l lucky enough, um, Parafed Oakland has some good reserve. First, we're we're a pretty healthy organization, and um, we I've I've been working pretty hard lately with with my sponsor and, and my major sponsor is Access Community Health. It's a it's a care provider, and um, big shout out to the to the team at Access to to support us. Um, it, it's a it's a great help. Um, so yeah, we we try to get new ways of, of of income stream, and the other one you you mentioned, Sport New Zealand, Sport New Zealand will help at a community level through um, through partners. So one of their partners is Halberg, the Halberg Foundation. Mm -hmm. um, so we have to apply for those funds to Halberg Foundation um, to get money from Sport New Zealand, right? Okay. And we have to apply to um, special project, for example, at the moment we are trying to um, found a new after-school program. So we have to come with a project and, and get funding for that project. Um, and um, so, okay, so, so, so yeah, some multiple, so, so a number of different in income streams there. Um, it, it is across the, yeah, the, the, and so, but you've managed to survive the, 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 the COVID lockdown um, intact and uh, you say you are you are only a small organization of five people, um, but so you've managed to come through it, okay? Yeah, I'm, I mean, I'm I'm the kind of personality that when something like that happens, I I want to take it as an opportunity more than a than a burden, and um, I I had a meeting with my team at the first day of lockdown, and I was I was exp I was trying to to make my point and. Um, we realized that we wanted all the same thing and wanted to use that as an opportunity to help Perfect grow. Mm -hmm. um, so what we did, most of our programs, we tried to bring them on Zoom. And for example, we have uh, we have had three Zoom strength and conditioning session every week. So people at home, like you and I here, uh, was able to do some strength and conditioning from the comfort of their home. Um, well, so that was that was amazing, and it helps when you have you as a resource that can do that. Definitely. <laughs> <laughs> no, for the for the strength and conditioning, uh, I'll mention uh, Michael Heinert, who's the CEO of uh, FAM, Functional Adaptive Movement. Um, he's an amazing coach, and um, he does those strength and conditioning session um, with Parafit. So uh, shout out to Michael. He's a he's a great great guy. Um, but yeah, we've we've tried to put all our session on Zoom or, or at least where, where it was possible. Um, we've also worked closely with the other perfects um, to try to make connections and and do things at the, at the national level. So we had a kind of a games where each perfect was challenging the other perfects um, through their members. So that that was amazing. Um, we've also created a, some kind of podcast where we have uh, people coming and talk so uh, from uh, famous athletes to nutrition expert to um, psychologist uh, to kind of try and talk to our members and and leave that that situation um, the best possible so folks that that podcast is called the parafed huddle so, so search for that if you want to listen to it yeah definitely yeah i'm, I'm really proud of that that parafed huddle um People love it. Um, people want more, so that that's great. Um, but now that the lockdown is finished, we realize that those things that we've created at first for the lockdown 
people want them even now. So for example, the, the strength and conditioning session on Zoom, now that people are back to the gym, they still want to have the opportunity to do these at home. So the amount of work that we <laughs> that we do at the moment is is really really good. Um, I, I love I love being busy, um, and I think that's a that's a great thing. If people want to be active more often, I, I'm all up for it. Fantastic. So look, so look, yes, great great way to look at it as being an opportunity. Um, the rather than uh, yeah, rather than get down on yourselves, um, and uh, also good to have what is a as you say a. Um, a healthy organisation that, that's been able to, to ride the ride the financial storm um, so far um, of it um, of, of it as well. Um, are there any parts of Parafed that we've not not uh, that I've that I've missed, not touched on yet, or um, that, that you'd like to mention? There is a part that I really like of my job is um, the opportunity to uh, help people getting active. And um, when I arrived in at Parafed Oakland two years ago. Uh, Tom Smith at the time, he, he opened that shed and there was dozens and dozens of wheelchair of all kinds, um, sports chair for, for the majority, but like racing chair, rugby chair, tennis chair. Um, and then the the layer of dust above all those chairs was really sad to see. And um, one of the first moves that we made together was to just take take care of those chairs, maintain them, and putting those chairs online on our website for people to be able to rent them. Um, wheelchairs, sports chairs in general are really expensive. Um, a, a racing chair can go from uh, four to eight, $12,000. Um, and if somebody who just got an injury or, or just wants to be active, um, if, if somebody wants to try a new sport, they won't have the money to invest in, in a specific chair. So um, I'm really proud to, to be able to offer the opportunity to try sport without the investment that it requires. Um, so we have all those kind of chairs available on our website and anybody who wants to try something, yeah, just hop on the website and, and that would be awesome. Yep, just search for the, just have a check out the loan and hire um, section for that, um, and yeah, just yeah, as you say, lots of different uh, styles of um, of wheelchairs and hand cycles um, as well, folks. Not yeah. just the um, not just wheelchairs, uh, and also a trike that looks like a um, as well. So um, lots of different yeah uh, different um, options um, there, folks. So um, yeah, and thank you very much for your time. It's been enlightening. Um, uh, and uh, you have you've had a really interesting journey um, across. Yeah, thank thank you very much for having me, and that was a great pleasure to talk to you. And I'm I'm a huge fan of your uh, your morning talk because my commute is about twenty minutes, and and I can I can be I can be on point with my with my sports every morning. So that's that's amazing. Just keep going, keep yeah. That's a great work. Thank you very much. And yes, folks, we are we are approaching episode one hundred of the morning sports briefing. Um, we, similar to, to the way Jan do, um, uh, saw lockdown, we saw it as an opportunity as well. We saw that Radio Sport um, had stopped broadcasting and knew there was a gap there for you folks. Um, and hence, that's why we tried to put New Zealand Sports Radio uh, in there, um, because we knew that there's a lot of fans out there who want to consume sports content or um, audio li- <laughs> listening. Um, <laughs> so, uh, yes, that podcast is available, uh, New Zealand Sports Radio. Um, for you so for your commute um, or for your hoovering or for your doing your gardening or whatever you want to do uh, whilst you're listening to us so please uh, do subscribe and like thank you very much uh, Jan from Parafed um, Auckland um, I no doubt we'll be talking um, again and we'll hear you on the station um, again thank you definitely pleasure thank you Paul hi I'm Daniel founder of Pretty Litter did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain I learned this the hard way after losing my cat Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.